1: Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 969. Hey, let's start with the corkboard events at ID10T.com. For your corkboard event that you'd like to share with the ID10T audience, like James Patrick Carey, who writes, I'm having an album release party for my new rock album, Picasso's Brush. The party is on Sunday, November 25th at 6 p.m. It'll be at the Doubletree Claremont Courtyard. Outdoor live music, 555 West Foothill Boulevard, Claremont, California. Open to the public. No cover, just come and enjoy the music. For more information and to listen to the songs, please visit c a r e y C-A-R-E-Y.com. Also, uh, Jennifer Bement. Bement. oh Jennifer, I'm so sorry, this must be what you get all the time. How do I pronounce the, I'm so sorry, I've just become one of those people, but I'll make it up to you by saying that Saturday, December 8th, and Sunday, December 9th is the raddest holiday bazaar, Atomic Holiday Bazaar. Uh, You're going to find gifts of the show that can't be found anywhere else, all carefully curated and handmade. So Jennifer's thing is called Redheaded Stepchild Designs. It's it's hand-crocheted hats, scarves, ear warmers. Uh, they've been there for the past 10 years, and it never fails to delight. Saturday, December 8th to Sunday, December 9th from noon to 5 p.m. at the Sarasota Municipal Auditorium, 801 Tamiami Trail, Sarasota, Florida. Visit Facebook.com slash Atomic Holiday Bazaar for more info. And that's bizarre like, like a bazaar for goods. B-A-Z-A-A-R. Bazaar. Um, this episode is Mr. Wyatt Russell, who is... Such a good actor! Oh my God, he's so good, and his—he's already in a lot of cool stuff. But I, I feel like I feel like the next year for him are going to be massive. Uh, Wyatt is promoting Overlord, uh, which is in theaters now, and uh, and I saw it, and it's great. It's sort of like a, its like a sort of like a period horror piece. So it's like a period war horror piece that we talk about it a little bit. Um, but, uh, but Wyatt's a good dude and, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to see. So watch it, watch him in Black Mirror. He was in a fucking phenomenal episode of Black, I mean, they're all great episodes, but his episode was particularly good. So this is the ID10T podcast number 969 with Wyatt Russell. Initiating ID10T protocol. Man. Chris, how's it going? How nice are you? to see you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Your house is awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, welcome. Thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> how's it going? It's going
1: good. It's really nice. It's honestly really nice to meet you. My wife and I are fans of yours thanks. anyway. And then when I heard you were coming on, and we watched Overlord the other night. Oh, you did? Oh, it's great. Did you like it's it? of course. I mean, it's oh. like a fucked up period horror piece. Yes. I mean, you know, that's exactly. And it's.
0: Stunning to look at as well. Visually, it's like, man. What was cool is that Julius, the director, he did this movie called Son of a Gun. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good movie with Ewan McGregor. Brenton Thwaites was in it. Alicia Vikander was in it. He's cast these really good people sort of before Alicia Vikander, I think, became like Alicia Vikander. Maybe, maybe she was, but, but I'm not sure. It looked so great, and he made it for like nothing, and and so when you see that movie you go like wow he's going to make this with you know 40 million bucks or whatever is going to make it look great and every frame you saw on set looked like this is why you want to do a movie not many movies now that are on the theater that are on that budget are made to like really made to be in the movie theater
1: yeah there aren't <laughs> there aren't yeah. a lot there's not a lot of epic horror you know because yeah. it's just like it's so expensive you know horror is Horror is a great go-to for people because like, oh, you can make one for nothing totally. and it's, you know,
0: and you play with that. But the scope yeah. is really, really, really spectacular. Yeah. That's what's fun about doing horror, in my opinion, is that you can do it for a million bucks. Yeah. You can make a great horror film for $750,000 or $500,000 and have it, you know, make a lot of money. Yeah. And it gets you, you know, you can keep doing it. That's cool. But it allows you to have all of these different, for especially for filmmakers, have like, a plethora of, of ways to shoot the movie, ways to that they can sort of tell the story in in specific and special ways, and that was like it's fun to act in a movie like that. Yeah, freedom, you know. But also the style choices in the film that
1: he he plays with the, um, it, it like the the whole thing is so t- transformative. It's so like even the credits, yeah, and the totally. opening credits and the closing credits and the 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 logos and yeah. everything. It's all period,
0: yeah. So it completely immerses you uh, in that in that time, totally. And, I, and I, I'm not a part of that process, but I'd imagine that JJ Abrams is a big part of that as well. That's what like you know you get Bad Robot, right? And Bad Robot can do their imagination is like you know, through the roof, they they can do so much and they have so much ability at that Building, I don't know if you've ever been in Bad Robot. Oh, yeah, I
1: have. I've been. I've seen all the Twilight Zone Isn't it stuff. is cool? It's fucking incredible. It's awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. You walk in there, and you're like, oh, my God, like movies. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: guy loves movies. It <laughs> really is like walking into a kid's room. Totally, but they just totally. happen to make movies there. Totally. Yeah, they it's happen rolled, to make everything yeah. there. <laughs> With rolled steel windows everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, Except <laughs> the Star Wars
0: figures are actual Star Wars <laughs> right, figures. They're from <laughs> they're
1: Star Wars. They're from <laughs> Star Wars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, no, like that. It was... So cool being able to uh, be a part of the JJ learning process for me. Just because it's important to have that imagination. It's important to not lose that idea of what movies were to you when you were twelve. Right. That's what he is. Like he's twelve years old in his head, but he has a you know man's brain of how to tell a story. It's just it was just awesome. I was like I couldn't ask for anything more. I think it came out cool. Yeah. Did you? Did I
1: read correctly that you were a professional hockey player? Yeah. So, at what point were you getting slammed into a gl- to the glass?
0: Where you're like, you know, I'm not sure if this is really I. So, so what happened was when I was about. I'm sorry, I'm that's all right. Move it away, so I'm not doing the. Hey, people like need people like need like water. We need like, water hold to on. live. Hang hold on, on one second. <sighs> we're, we just we do these in a urinal.
1: We're just uh, standing in yeah. a men's
0: urinal. Sorry, that's <laughs> okay. Um, I was. When was I? I? was 15. I moved to Vancouver. That was when I decided I really want to be a hockey player. This okay. is what I want to do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do anything else. This Canada is, is a good place to go for that. Canada them. is a good place to go. Vancouver, and it's like the most beautiful place in the world. I loved living there. But that was the only place that I guess I could really go. At that, there was a couple other options, but that that was where I had to go to like see if how good I was, see if I could make it. And uh, and when I when I moved there. You got the taste of what hockey actually was. It wasn't, you you know, I wasn't just the best kid in Southern California. Like, being Mm -hmm. one of the better kids in Southern California puts you in the middle of the pack. (laughs) Right. There. So you had to make another leap. Part of that leap was Mark Bouchard teaching me how to fight a little bit after practice when I was playing in Richmond when I was 15, 16 years old. That was just part of it. Because I remember the first, I've told this story before, but the first game I ever had uh there was a dude on this on this team called Abbotsford. Abbotsford's sort of out in the middle of nowhere. It's like a farm town and outside of Vancouver about 2 hours. And I was the first I think my been my second game uh he comes around the net Gives me a little cross check. I'm, like, wide-eyed, bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed. And he looks at me. He's about 6'3". He was 21. I'm 15, 16. It's a big difference from that <laughs> age. And he goes, I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat and get in fucking People Magazine. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, okay. Like, I didn't even know what to do because, like, he was going to do it. And he got in a tussle afterwards, and he tried to, like, fight me. Now, it didn't get to that point because my teammates sort of, like, you know, when you try to fight the goalie, it's, like, a big brawl right hockey um but i realized like i have to learn how to do this and like stand up for myself and, and fight if i have to and be able to have a backbone so when i did get bashed i did get hit and you do break bones and you do pull pull groins and you pull muscles and you get concussions that ends up being a part of the game that's what you sign on to do and and so I, there's like a weird little badge of honor every time you break a bone or get hurt or play through an injury or do anything like that. So it never was until at the end of my career, I was 24, until the very last injury, until I literally was told by a team in Norway when I was playing professional hockey in Europe that, uh, sorry, dude, you're, 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 you're groin, your groin, your hip, your leg is mush on your right side and uh, you are gonna can't play anymore. And I was like, OK. <laughs> I've officially been told I can no longer play. An
1: on. old man of 24. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so
0: that was it. That was like, I would have kept playing, you know. And when
1: that happened, were you relieved at all? Or did you feel? Good question. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, like, we go down a path in life that we think is our path. Something happens. Yeah. It can either be read as an obstacle or a tragedy or it can be read as like, okay, this is a new beginning. This is a chance for something else. This is the universe trying to tell me something. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, when you're 24 and you still have that energy of like, oh, I still want to fucking – you know, were you frustrated or did you feel
0: like, okay, I'll just do something else? That was – well, if I – when I got – when I was 20, I got really badly injured with a concussion I, I I was out for six months I couldn't get on a bike without throwing up uh, I couldn't get on a bike without feeling dizzy after 10 minutes a stationary bike like like I was hooked up to all these machines I had people doctors trying to help me and nothing was helping finally I was able to sort of get back after about six months but when when I got hurt that day that night uh, I thought they thought I broke my neck because I couldn't I, I laid it's a I got hit. My neck got pinned in between the post and the and, and this guy's body. Uh, I woke up to them cutting my gear off. Oh my god! Um, I was in my own blood on the ice, and the ice had melted, so I sucked in and like sucked in my own blood, and it was like it was a very strange feeling because the first when you come to going, that's taste of my blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't move my hands or f- or feet for about four hours, so they thought I had might have broken my neck. I got taken off the ice in a gurney. And, uh, I was in a hospital in Brampton, Ontario, which at the time was not a a great area. Now it's much better. The gentrification has turned that area into a, into a different place. And, uh, I just remember looking at the tile at the floor tile, the, the ceiling tiles that were like water stained and they rolled me into a room and I was tied to a board so I couldn't move. And I remember thinking then I was 20, like, so this is over and what am I going to do? Uh, I guess I have to direct or write or do <laughs> something that I sort of know how to do or has sort of been, what am I just going through that thing of like immediate, what else are you going to do? Because you can't, do, I always thought this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. You know, get a college scholarship and go, that all ended up happening because at the end of the day, uh, it was a whole crazy night. If you want to hear the whole, sure. Story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I get rolled into the first thing I remember seeing is this dude who had his finger cut off and he had it in a, in a, in a styrofoam box full of ice. Oh, his finger was like totally severed and it was in the, he had kept it in a styrofoam box to like have him sew it back on. So that was when immediately I was like, Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm in the hospital I'm in the emergency room. I That's real. Coming, shit's real. Shit's real. I'm coming to, and they put me in a room. They were really overcrowded. So they put me in this room that was like, I had a curtain. It wasn't like a room room. And, uh, so then they, they put me, I was in a lot of pain and they put morphine, they jacked me up with morphine and it was like, okay, that feels better. Mm-hmm. You know, the pain's going away. And then as soon as the doctors are about to see me, all you hear is code blue, code blue, code blue. And everybody stops what they're doing. Code blue means someone's heart has stopped. And they run to the person next to me and the person, there's a guy that gets rolled in next to me the worst sounds you've ever heard in your life, basically of somebody dying and they're doing the defibrillator and they're going, uh, and it's like, it's like, and I'm strapped to a board. I can't move. I can't say it, but nobody I know is there. My, my family isn't, doesn't live in Toronto. Uh, the owner came by and he was, he's the greatest guy in the world, but he came by later, but there's no one there. It was just me alone in this room listening to this fucking guy die. uh, and, they tried to save him. Don't think they did. And about four hours later, uh, I I get in for my CT scan and I start to feel fingers again, toes. And I'm like, Oh my God, I think I don't think I think it's like just a damaged nerve. And it was just a damaged nerve. I get rolled in there. There's no room in the hospital for overnight stay. So they have to put me literally in a broom closet. Like I'm in a broom closet. Way half the size of the room we're in now, which is tiny. It was tiny. Separated by a cheesecloth, there's another dude in the room on a gurney. That's where we're going to spend the night. Jesus. And I'm still in my my tights. Like all my gear, that my undergear. I didn't get out of my undergear. It's like all tight stuff and I have a huge hole in my cr- I've worn the same pants for 5 years. I've got a big <laughs> hole in the crotch and like so I'm I'm sitting there but I'm feeling better now cuz Tylenol 3 and I'm morphine and I'm an okay and it's not broken anything and I'm gonna be alright. I just had a bad concussion and whatever. I look to the guy next to me, and in my sort of high state, I go, like, oh, what are you in what are you in for? And he goes, ah, knife knife victim or knife wound, or I can't even I just got stabbed. And the doctor comes in, and I can tell by the doctor that like they're not treating him well. You know, they were not treating this guy well. And he goes, anybody looked at that? And he goes, no. And he pulls it open, and I can see through the cheesecloth. It's like, so, it's a huge, crazy knife wound that's now, like, festering. It's, like, not doing well. And he goes, and he changes the wound, and he goes, oh, just so you know, the guy didn't make it. I was like, huh? And the doctor leaves the room, and I'm, and I'm like, oh, you were in a fight? And he's like, yeah, I guess the guy didn't make it. Oh, shit. And I realized that the guy next to me that was being operated on by the doctors was... The other person that was in the knife fight. And so I'm, this guy killed him. This guy killed him, and I'm in the room next to the killer. Now I don't know what you know. It could he could have been self defense. I, mean, I don't know what the hell happened in terms of like what happened to the fight. But all I was saying I'm going to spend the night in the room next to this murderer. Right. He wasn't a murderer. I don't think. I think it was like a mutual fight it sounded but you didn't know that at the time i didn't know that at the time and it was like kind of high and i was like all right well i guess i'm just gonna like i mean we're separated by cheesecloth it's like he's (laughs) six inches away from me so i was like i'm just gonna be super nice to this guy and eat my cheese sandwich and try and go to bed and then i woke up in the morning and and i went home and got picked up by my general manager and uh actually weirdly enough the next day like i didn't remember i remembered nothing of the next day apparently I saw a friend and stuff and like I, re- I remembered zero of it because my head was it was a, it was a disaster point being that moment sent me into a place where I had to go what else am I going to do with my life if I don't do this signed up for a course at USC to do like a directing course uh, loved it I had a blast and told myself like if i if I don't play hockey, I think this is something I'll, I like doing I'm not just trying to be rebellious because my parents did it mm-hmm. path of least resistance is something I don't didn't like didn't feel like you were growing you know if you just took the path of least resistance it was like well I'm not gonna what, am, what do I have to offer <laughs> the world you know or whatever in, in in film it's like you gotta have something to offer and if you didn't do anything with your life you really got nothing to offer you, the movie even if an author of the story and uh, I felt like that that I wouldn't have anything to offer and and, and then when I you know kind of did my life experience, I, I, I felt like I had earned some form of storytelling ability because I'd lived some of that, you know?
1: Yeah. But I also think that this idea of like, Oh, because his parents did this, obviously someone, people targeted you playing hockey probably because you know, of your yeah, parents, a lot, yeah. but you know, I, I would almost say that you probably have m- more work to do than someone who just moved here from Kansas because, in your head, you're probably like, oh, I have to have my own identity. Like, I don't want people to think, you know,
0: so in a way,
1: yeah. you work harder. I feel like you work harder in your mind
0: uh, because of that. There is – it's a it, – like anything in life, it's a double-edged sword. The, the, the one side being, look, I'm, I'm – my girlfriend who I love more than anything in, in life is an actress as well. Her road – Meredith Hagner, she's unbelievable. She's on a sh- sh- show called Search Party. That's a fantastic show. Her road to being where she is now, we've talked about this, is a very different road. It just was different. She had to grind it out at 18, 19 years old, living in New York, doing you know a, a regional theater play of The Wizard of Oz or whatever it was. And then get get on like you know just get on stuff that she could get on and work her way because no one knew anything about what she was no one knew. there was no there was no prior information. For me, that wasn't the case. It was the truth is is that yes, was it easier for me to get to the position that most people have to work to get just to get to the place where an agent will talk to them? That's a hard place to try and get for anybody. For me, that wasn't, because the access is there. Mm-hmm. When you go and talk to an agent, they're interested in you. Half of what they're saying is bullshit for most people. <laughs> the per, the, my agent now is the only person that didn't bullshit me, which is why I appreciated him and why he's one of my very close friends and people I care about very much, because he didn't bullshit me. The, the reality was is that casting directors and people were interested to see if I was any good or not. Uh, the, the other reality is most people are good. Most actors I meet are really good and you'll never know them. You'll never see them. You'll never see their face because you have to have some sort of interesting story to tell or way of being to get people's attention. I have that. Uh, I had the ability to go in one of those rooms early on. I just felt like I was good at it and I carried that with me. Like, I think I'm pretty good. You can tell me if I'm not, um, but and I, and I don't know fuck all. I don't know it's like the ass from my, my ass from a hole in the ground in terms of what I'm doing. But it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. It's like you know the auditioning process is just go read the lines and be good and try and be the person. It's mm-hmm. not hard. I think I think that because I've had good examples. Um, but I'm not sitting here going, yeah, it was really hard for me. <laughs> Because, oh, boy, like, my parents were famous, and I wanted to differentiate from my parents and individuate. Like, well, yeah, no shit, dude. Like, that's life. That's what everybody does. Everybody has to individuate from their parents at some point. And and for me, it's easy... Uh, to, to, for that process in terms of thinking about it, because it's all it is, is just do good work, do good work, do good work, do good work, try and do the best work you can. And, you know, hopefully one day people just be like, Hey, that's the, that, that's that guy. And and that might take a while, but it's just, it's a little bit of a war of attrition, but, but that's part of it. You know, Michael Douglas is sort of the same thing when he was a younger, Michael Douglas' dad's Kirk Douglas, <laughs> <laughs> but no one really knows that now. <laughs> you know, his dad Kirk Douglas, arguably a lot more famous than my, especially my at that dad. time dad too. Time, especially at Kirk that time, Kirk fucking Douglas. Yeah, but he um, I, uh, he's a guy who went out and he produced. You know, a lot of people don't know is he produced one flew over the cuckoo's nest and won an Academy Award when he was thirty two mm-hmm. because he was good at it. And he cared and he cared about the work and he cared about his job and he was always good and just eventually went blah, 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 and became like, a local. I don't know if that's going to happen for me, but I, I, I do know that I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to fool anybody and, 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 and say like, yeah, you know, it was difficult. It's not, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as difficult for me as it was for some people. And I can, I appreciate that and what, what they had to do that I didn't.
1: Yeah. But it, I mean, that may open doors, but to continue working, like, it won't keep you employed forever. No. So the fact that you've con- that you've continued to work so much, and especially if you look at not just the things that you've done, because you've done a lot of really cool stuff, but the things that are also coming out, Thanks. too, it's like the next wave. I mean, I feel like that's all earned. Like, you can't... You know, no one's going to hire you consistently for a favor. They might do it once or twice, right? But if you're bad or you drag the quality production, then pretty soon it's like, I'm going to look out for that guy, right? Yeah. So totally. At least you know, if anything, you can feel good about the fact, like, well, yeah, but you know, to to stay in this place and to to go to the next level, that stuff's earned. Like, that's not; those aren't. That's not the favor and the opening of the door. Right. You know? And by
0: the way, I think at all levels, you can probably relate to this as well. You've created a really successful, awesome career for yourself by doing what you do and doing it best. When you get to a certain point and, and those things start rolling in and rolling in and rolling in next to the next to the next, you're parlaying your, your own success for your own future success
1: yes but I've never I've never had to lay in a Canadian hospital wondering if I was paralyzed next to a, <laughs> that's next cir- to a knife circumstantial
0: <laughs> I mean once you get through that I sort of feel like yeah, this audition's not that hard <laughs> that's no no honestly that's the truth that was it that was the that was the that is what made me who I am and it's why I'll never you know like I was just I, I did uh, I was on Dan Patrick earlier which I was one of my favorite shows I love Dan Patrick oh that's
1: all yeah I'm, right. he's, he, I, I'm he, not a he, sports I, guy but my mom is obsessed with sports and obsessed oh really with Patrick. Really? And I met him on a plane once. I'm like, my mom loves you. That's <laughs> so you know, funny. It was, and he was so nice. He's
0: the nicest guy in all yeah. those guys over she there. She bought like, a fucking, I got her a Traeger grill
1: because Dan Patrick. Yes. No she way. She was like, Dan Patrick always talks about these Traeger That's grills. amazing. So I got her Traeger grill with like these these flavored wood chips. Like, <laughs> I I all, love thanks that. to, she was like, and then That's let's use awesome. the Dan Patrick offer
0: code or whatever. <laughs> I <laughs> so, love that so much. So geez. yes. That's the best. <laughs> Yes. She is truly a fan. If you got her a Traeger grill, because Huge that is every fan. day, and
1: I still fucking hear about it. <laughs> that's so good how, how was your day today? It was oh. great. I threw some chicken breasts on the Traeger, and you just can't believe like <laughs> the moistness. That's it just so cooks quick. right in, and the chips <laughs> like, that is amazing. Yeah. By
0: the way, everything that's ever cooked on that grill today. I was watching it after I went home and watched it, and I was like, yeah, the meat Meat This Traeger grill does look awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what was I saying? You were saying you did the Dan Patrick show today. Oh. And you were talking about yeah. So I, I, I did the Dan Patrick show and I talked about this one story that I, I had in, when I was in Holland and uh, I basically I lived with a heroin addict. Where you go and you you they put you wherever they put you, you know. And you're playing minor professional sports. It's not like I'm going to go on a house hunt, right? <laughs> like, and see so where like you know I'm going to raise my kids and you're like there for a year and you, hopefully they give you a bed and there's a heater, right? And, and so uh, mine was in this social housing unit that actually ended up getting torn down after I moved out uh, uh, that year. I was still there. I moved to another place because I was like, this is literally, it's going to be impossible to live here because of my roommate, Harm. And he was like a poet from like back in the day. He's probably 70 years old, maybe, he looked about 100. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got there. There's like a hole in the bathroom door. It stinks like piss and shit. The the shower I never once used because if you saw the shower you'd be like, no, this is not possible. <laughs> it's cleaner to just not. Yeah, it's much better to like <laughs> just you watch, know wash, the wash. I just took, I just showered at the ice rink and I, I showered in our locker rooms. I literally never took a shower at home. And uh, I, I walk in, there's like eggs and mold and shit all over the kitchen. I was like, this is a disaster, but it's like <laughs> kind of cool in a weird way. And shut the door. Knock, knock, knock. Oh hi, I'm Harm, and he's like got this crazy like real. His face is like really torn up and from it looked like drugs. Sure, you want some and boudin coal boudin is like a like a like a Dutch dish that's like a peasant dish where you have uh, a ton of sausage, a ton of uh, uh, kale, and a ton of potatoes. It's really good. I love it. And mustard. It's like the best food. Anyway, he cooks that, and I'm like, all right, guess sure. Like I don't know where the hell I am, and the team's not around, and sure I'll have you know some coal. Upstairs in the attic, we go walk up. Meet my other uh, roommate, who's a Rwandan refugee named Frank. That wasn't his real name, but that's what he went by. We were all eating in in a circle. Kind of like, you know, having a weird conversation. But I was like, this is awesome. This is my life (laughs) experience. This is what you do it for. And he's got newspapers plastered all over his wall. It's like half serial killer if he was weirder. But he was actually like really kind. He was a kind person. Got this cat running around. I pick up the cat, and I pull... The cat off me, and he has his claws in me. I'm like, oh my god, fuck. Pull it off, and he, Harm, just starts like losing his mind in Dutch, yelling at me, like, and I'm like, oh my god, and he's gonna like come at me. So I'd be, whoa, settle down. Picks up a bobby pin off of his table, goes, drags it down his arm, blood coming out of his arm. And I'm like, dude, like, stop! (laughs) Well, looking at Frank, and Frank's like, I don't know, like, this has happened before. I just got here, I don't know. (laughs) And I was like, this is... And then he puts the bobby pin down, takes a rag, this gray rag, cleans his arm off, and under the rag is all of his heroin needles and shit. And I was like, fuck me, I'm living with a heroin addict above me? Like, God, like, this is not... Ideal situation, <laughs> but okay. We go back, completely lose my appetite, and he would come in my room like at night. Like he would play like Loudon Wainwright III, like blasting. He loved Loudon Wainwright III. He loved Nirvana. He'd blast Nirvana at 3 a.m. playing bongo drums to Nirvana on like a Thursday when we had a game on Friday. Finally, with my my. Uh, roommate Chad, we were like, we gotta get out of here, dude. What? So why did he freak out when the cat scratched you? I don't. Oh, he was he was on drugs, man. He was like he was like <laughs> constantly drugged up. He and I was so like da- I was point I was down to do anything because this is what it was. You're yeah, like, this is the life experience. I never felt like I was in danger, you know. Um, and and but, but this one time he was like, what? Hey, you want to watch? <laughs> You want the, want the watch? And I'm like, watch what? He's like, no, watch a watch. Like, oh, watch like a time watch. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like, yeah, I want a watch. Sure. She's like, okay, come with me. And and it's like he's one of those guys where you're just like, okay, I guess I'll just follow you <laughs> wherever. Like, you know, <laughs> this heroin addict seems to know the score. Yeah, like, I, you know, and I did meet some other people through him that were like nice people. They were friends, you know, friends of his or whatever. And he takes me to this back alley. This dude opens up his jacket and he's got like all these – I'm like, no, I don't want a stolen watch (laughs) arm. I want – I thought you were taking me somewhere that was like this – I'm like, why did I think that? I don't know why I thought that. But it was like, you know, that was – those were the experiences that like I just would never have gotten. And when I'm doing acting or writing or making movies or producing or whatever, those are the things you remember of like when things are getting tough or things are hard, like Shit was a lot harder at one point, and that is what gives me the ability to, like, you know, I, I honestly not really care what other people say because I've lived a little bit of, of a life that, I, that I'm proud of, you know. That's fantastic. I mean, that does
1: make you sort of bulletproof because you get you can get so locked into your own little safety bubble. Yes. And the more you're in that the less open you are to growing and evolving and then the more hurt you are susceptible totally but then you have those life experiences you're like oh yeah this thing's nothing totally this one director didn't like I don't fucking care yeah you know, it doesn't like, matter and I didn't have to pull a fucking cat out of my, off my arm in a heroin addict flat in the middle of you know right what was the last? Did you
0: when you finally moved out? Did you say goodbye to Harm? Oh, was of course. That- <laughs> well, no. The last thing that he did was. By the way, I have a very soft spot. He was a poet. In, sure. in, in this, in the sixties and seventies, in in Holland, in this in the northern part of Holland called Groningen, which is Groningen uh, in, in American speak, and he. Only wrote in, like, weird dialect Dutch. Even the Dutch people I met were like, I don't know what that, was, <laughs> I don't know what that is. It means nothing to me. <laughs> but, but he was a poet. And, and he, you know, you, you can Google him, actually, and you can see his, Harm D. Gwakema. That was, that was the man's name. Big enough to, like, speak it, you know, like, in front of, like, 500 people somewhere at some point in his life. Like, he was kind of one of those, like, 60s, 70s. He was, like, the real deal. And then he just kind of got old and got, was a heroin addict. And he's like he was truthfully a hippie. Mm-hmm. And he brought me this book. I don't know if it's real or not. But I believed him, of course. That's why I ruin a good story with the truth. <laughs> he, he came in my room the last night we were there. And he gave me this lyric book that he said Jimi Hendrix gave him. And it's a Jimi Hendrix lyric book. That is from legitimately. It's from the set the the, the late sixties, early seventies. It's, it, 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 it's 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 how it's it's you know, it's it says it on there, and he said Jimi Hendrix gave me this book, and I want you to have it. Whether he did or not, I don't care. Harm in his delusion. remembered Jimi Hendrix giving him, and he wanted me to have it, and that meant a lot to me. Um, so I I have that book, and I've kept that book in my memorabilia. Uh, you know, stack. I'll tell you why I think it's real. Because I think. People,
1: when, the, when, when people get older, especially like, you know, if they're still on drugs or whatever, they might be delusional about what happened in the last five right, minutes. Right, right. But they do tend to remember with crystal clarity what happened like 30 years ago. Right, before. right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's true. Those, like, those last few like real moments just cemented right. in their brain and then the drugs really took over. Right. But, uh, so, I, you know, I'd say there's... A, I'd say <laughs> That's if, funny. <laughs> it's <laughs> and, true. If he was like a, you know, a relatively famous dutch poets it's completely likely that he would have been doing drugs with Jimi hendrix totally and, and you know totally that's Buying back thought. alley watches uh, <laughs> that's that's in the late 60s exactly what i And thought. Jimi hendrix is like hey brother take this and totally like, well,
0: thank you Jimi hendrix and then he gave it to, he, he bequeathed it to you uh, yeah and it really did mean a lot to me because i was like it meant a lot to him that's all that mattered to me and then and then and then the, oh, I, actually i forgot about this we – th- you ride bikes everywhere. You know, we, like usually when you go to Germany, we got, we got like cars you know, to drive around. The team gives you a car. In Holland, they give you a bike. It's a lot easier to get around the city on a bike. So I'd bike around the city. My, my, the next apartment was like not very far down the street from where this one was. And I would ride back and you'd see Harm coming from the grocery store or whatever and I'd hey, Harm, how's it going? Like because we weren't living <laughs> together anymore. He was like, yeah. Oh. Then he stops me one day and they're like, they're about – they're going to tear down the building. I'm like, yeah. Well, they should tear down the building. In my head, am I? Like, this place is a disaster. They're right. Any they're b- right. They're they're right. This is this place needs to be redone completely. <laughs> but he was like, we're having a, a a picket line thing of like, you know, will you come and do the picket line? Like, will you stand in front of the building and basically be like, don't tear it down? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Okay, yes, I'll, I will do that for you. I will go stand in front of this building that should be torn down and go, like, don't tear down this hellhole. this, this hell hole. so I did it. And that was the last time that I saw harm was at that weird little, like, picket rally. But, yeah, the, the, you know, those are the times in my life that, like, I'll remember. I'll never forget, you know, doing movies and stuff and all that. Like, it's all well and good, and you will have great moments. But those moments, like, I don't think I'll ever um, – you know, you'll never have – I'll never have that again. I wonder if he's still – do you think he's still alive? Man, I hope so, but I really doubt it. He was he was a real drug addict, you know. And, and old at that point. He was probably – I'd say he was probably 75. Okay. Uh, may, may, maybe 80. Um, he That would mean he'd be about uh, – 90 89 yeah he that harm didn't make it that far you don't think so no man he was he was just, it was not he was really he looked he when i tell you he looked 100 he he looked 100 what if some weird ghoul
1: shows up in the middle of the night at your place and just goes harm does not die only transform
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, jesus right. christ i would be happy <laughs> i'd be like harm you're back <laughs> Good to see ya. That's what I would do, honestly. It would be happy. It would be a very happy reunion. I love that. I was
1: not prepared for this reaction.
0: (laughs) 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 That's fantastic. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic, though. But there's something about the fact that. You know, especially at that age too, you were you were just so open to you were just open. Yeah, you know, like it's hard
0: it's hard to be open because the world is a scary place. It's on so all much sides. scarier now. It's so it seems so much scarier now, even. than – I know it sounds like I'm like old. I'm not, but I remember a time when we didn't have that. We didn't. Their Instagram wasn't a thing. Right. Twitter wasn't a thing. Uh, Facebook was just had just been a thing, mm-hmm. and so I was traveling the world. With my flip camera, <laughs> if anybody remembers what that is. I remember the flip camera. You know, it was cool. I wish they would bring that back, actually. It was really fun to, like, you know, and, but it was for me. I wasn't living for anybody else. I wasn't living f- through myself for an, an, uh, people I didn't know. For attention. For attention, or even for my fr- for my other friends. I was just living that moment. For me and the people that I was sharing it with, and no one else will ever remember or will 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 ever feel what it was like for me to be in that position. Nor should they, and that's not what life is about. And now we've reached this point where it's like, I need you to feel my pain. (laughs) Like, no, you don't. You don't need. You don't. It is not important for me to feel your pain because you're because everybody has their own version of it. Right. And I can't help you with. Every single version of it, I can, I can help the people that I'm around and the people that I'm with. But back then, uh, it was awesome, because you didn't have to worry about it. You didn't have to worry about uh, other people's issues or worry about like, you know, even somebody watching you do something innocuously dumb, like I got arrested at a club for trying to break up a fight. Uh, that was this dude I was wearing a big Zanku chicken yellow <laughs> Zanku chicken shirt <laughs> representing it, yeah and I and I look and, I, and there was a big fight happening and I was like oh my god this guy's gonna get in his ass pounded and it looked like he was like this kind of thin guy couldn't really defend himself and these other dudes were like drunk and I got in the middle of him and I was like stop 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 cops run in and all they think the guy remembered is me because I got this yellow sh- sh- like shirt on and he's like <sighs> and I'm like <gasps> I didn't tried to help you out, man. <laughs> and, th- and then I get taken out by the cops. In today's world, I don't know, but it's very possible that it's like, pull out your phone, do-do-do-do-do, oh, there's this guy, oh, who is it? Oh, you know, uh, uh, the guy who plays for the and Grizzlies, oh, and, then, and it ends up being Kurt Russell and Goldie Hunts kid, yeah. and now I'm all over Instagram or all, all over Twitter or whatever the fuck, and it's like, that would have been a perfect situation where I'm like what the hell what, what, what? like
1: now I, I feel like you would have gotten a lot of credit for wearing a Zanku chicken shirt I would have
0: everyone like that guy's fucking rad <laughs> I I,
1: I, wow
0: I would have I tried to escape the cops too I was like I just need to get my jacket like and I went, went back inside because there's all those clubs like super packed and I went back inside and I was like hey like hiding and they came in and found me and took me out again oh hey
1: guys I found my jacket yeah uh, oh yeah yes. no, it's here okay
0: <laughs> we'll see you. bye guys will see did you get arrest arrested or, or they just question you they questioned me and then I was like I swear I think they Believed me, kind of, but yeah. they're like, you know, I didn't have any, I wasn't in the fight. Right. And, and then they, you know, got a You nice, go got back. a nice, honest face, though. Yeah. I was like, I swear to God, please, please, please. We ended up going to a pizza bar where then someone tried to stab this other Jesus guy.
1: Jesus Christ. I
0: remember that night was a crazy night. It listen, was so not, nuts. Listen, I'm not. Yeah. Not pointing any fingers, but you've been around around a
1: lot of stabbings and fights. I know. Are you sure? <laughs> that it wasn't me. Yeah, I am mean, just saying. The am like. You know, it's like, you yeah. know, we say this about murder she wrote. Right. Jessica Fletcher probably committed all those murders <laughs> because funny. how many murders are you really going to be That's around funny. in Cabot Cove? <laughs> That's you know, funny. it's like, That's funny. it's a town of like 100 people.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, maybe. I'm like, huh, I hope they never find out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in
1: harm is like your Tyler Durden. Like it's just not real. <laughs> funny. It's like your soul is a it's 70 year old be. Dutch heroin
0: addict. By the a way, horror. it's like, guys, by the way, you're giving me ideas.
1: I think I'm listen. I, I think as a writer and a director, I think there's a story and maybe it's just called harm. And it's just all about this guy and a kid that comes to live with them. Like
0: it's, the, it seems like there is a story Oh, uh, Well, I have reams and reams and reams of pages of I would just uh, I would I would document my interactions with him when I was there. I would I would document all of my interactions because there there were so many uh, that like well, he he came in one night around two thirty a.m. on a game night, the night before game night, and Chad my. My roommate, who, who was at that time living with me, I lived alone for about three weeks and then thank God Chad came because it was like, it made it like fun. And he was like, I, I came up with a game and the game is uh, World War II and it's 1978 to 1999. And I'm like, what, what, are, you, what are you like? What? But I realize he's high. And I'm sure. like, oh, okay. Like he's like, I secured $400 million of investment from the government. <laughs> And I need another raise capital. And I'm like, it's weird. It was like oddly lucid, but in a completely delusional way where you're like, wow, you came up with those numbers. They're it sounds like, a
1: lot like talking to a child, but who has a lot, who has very advanced
0: frames of references. Yes, exactly. That's government. exactly yeah. what it is. Oh, okay, it. let's play that. Yeah. Sure. And it was, and it was, it was totally fun. But I have all those, I have tons documented, um, on and thinking like, man, if there's ever a way to fit this into something, I'd love to do it. I don't know. I've always thought that I would like to do that because it was an interesting time. Um, Also, my time in in college hockey was interesting because I played it at University of Alabama in Huntsville. Oh wow, it's like a weird place to have a hockey team, and the stories are just like endless, you know, because you're getting into like you're getting into trouble, harmless trouble, and you're getting into like you know boredom of when you're not playing in the summertime. You know what, like the life of of that of an athlete is like, and then added in where it's like basically you had. Uh, southeast campus housing where we lived, and then like all of the do- all of the uh, fraternities and sororities like around us, it was literally like, Animal House. Right, it was, like the fr- the fraternity sorority row is like such a nice like fraternity, super nice sorority, like brick buildings, and they're all like you know super like smart kids, or maybe not all of them, <laughs> but but like you know they're like they're you know tr- network and like do the thing you do in college. And uh, we were in like, I mean, literally, it was a disaster zone. It was horrible because where they stuck the foreign exchange students and right. the hockey team, right? And uh, and they kind of hated us. But it was it was again, it made for good stories, and I've kept I've I've kept them all. I just don't know if I'd ever really do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just, it seems it seems like there is an idea. Where you're just this young, this kid in college, and then you you know like you you go over, and then you have this weird experience with this guy, and it just you know, I don't know if it's a series or just like a great indie movie, but there, but know. it just feels like, I know. and what a fun weird way to honor this. Delightful weirdo.
0: I know. <laughs> that you lived with. I know. I know. It would be great. I've thought about it a lot. I've always been like, it would be a pet project. You know, it would be one of those things where, like, no one's ever going to see it, but it'd be fun just to have done it. Well,
1: the story that the, there'd be so much authenticity because you, you know, you, you couldn't you probably wouldn't be able to sit down and write the situations that you live through No you wouldn't way. be able to invent them so there's there'd be that air of authenticity to it <laughs> yeah. it would be like i don't know what this i fucking you know like people would just connect immediately because there's a it has like the molecules of truth to I, it
0: i, I would I, or or everyone would be like that's bullshit <laughs> that never I, yeah that's, that's total bullshit happened. there's no way that happened
1: are you do you are you making time to write currently? Or are you like oh well I'm I'm I'm
0: working a lot as, as an actor so I'm just going to do that for a while or do you do you balance your time? I balance my time. Uh, I've always tried to make time to write. I've written a lot of stuff that I'd never you know were not meant for me going like I want to develop this or whatever. It's writing to sort of keep that uh, uh, muscle going. Yeah. Cause it is a muscle like you know it's like anything acting is a muscle too uh and but i've i've never pursued it like maybe i will in the future don't know leave it open but i do try to uh keep hat in the rings for like producing stuff coming with ideas so that you can I can still be able to act I can still be able to do this stuff is when you decide to write something you're 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 in it for right. a long time it's it's a lot of work and to, to be good it, it would never just want to be like yeah, going to throw something <laughs> together and make <laughs> make some money <laughs> that that's not what i 'd want to do and uh but i yeah, I try to keep it balanced otherwise, I think for actors, you get so locked into what the what, what the people in charge are allowing you to do Mm -hmm. and that's most of what it is like you're not really getting to choose what you want to do unless you reach a certain level right even then it's like you know look at the rock or look at uh you know some of like he he doesn't really he, he he sort of does right but but you know, he gets to make the movies that he wants to make in the genre that he's making. Right, 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 right. He's, he's actually a really good actor, in my opinion. Yeah, he's great. And you have – but even he has to, like, do the Juma- Jumanji. I love Jumanji because he was really funny and really good yeah. at, at making – sort of taking the piss out of himself. But also in certain moments you're like, wow, oh, you could be really good, are really good. But, you know, it's it would be harder for him to do something like um, – I don't know. You know, uh, like, like into sh- like, like the Untouchables, like right? Into shable, like where right. the guy is in the wheelchair. That kind of movie, right? It'd just be harder because it's him. So, you, in my opinion, you always got to keep li- the creative aspects of yourself burning, just in case you're not working for a while, or you know, you don't, so you don't lose your mind. You know, you don't feel like you're at the whim of. Of the, of the business, but also it's something that you said
1: earlier that I, that also resonates and hopefully resonates with people is when you were sort of referring to the flip cam. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just doing this for me. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 we were able to kind of separate so much of what we do now and go, I'm actually just going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. It feels like we we've become more and more a culture of like totally. now it's eighty twenty other people, maybe twenty percent me. Totally, I'm just trying to get validation or I'm trying to get. This or that, you know, rather than just, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this because I want to do it. And
0: it doesn't totally. – I would do this regardless. Totally. I think it's so – I think that's part of – I'll stop short of being the problem with our society. <laughs> but it is part of it. Like this, the show that I do, Lodge 49. I don't yep. know if he's The a, MC show. The mm-hmm. MC show. Yeah. Um, it, there's an asp- – when I read that show, I read it for me. It was the first show I'd ever read. Uh this is long before it was even like greenlit to happen. I got it and I was like, it's probably not even gonna happen, but just read it, I think you'll like it. It was the first show I'd ever read, television series, that I was like, this is special to me. And I don't know if it's special to anybody else, but to me, for some reason it speaks to me in a way that nothing else really has. Um The character does the characters do the story the whimsical aspect the magical realism how we look at the world and it's very everything is very 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 mundane but other people make it into things that aren't and sometimes they actually blow up into bigger things but really at the end of the day still going home and going to bed and watching tv and waking up and watching the dan patrick show (laughs) right (laughs) listen to your podcast and you know that's what that's what we're doing most of the time yeah and and uh I, I found that to, 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 again, just for me to be really special. So when I read it, people were like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know." Like I don't, it wasn't special to them, and and but to everybody involved in that show, it's special to us, and that's what matters. And I think that's what people feel when they watch it and they start getting into the show, is that it's a show made for people, in my opinion that things aren't made for. Mm-hmm. And it's a show that I always joke is made for, it's a great show for people who don't own a television. <laughs> 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 <You know? laughs> like it's a great show for people who don't own TV. And that's what's special about it to me. And, I, and and people that come up and really do appreciate that show speak to that part of me, which is I didn't do that show you know, for any 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 other reason than I thought it was great, and if it found its audience, it found its audience, and if it lives on in some special way, it lives on. But the lodge aspect of a place you can come, a place you can go for people to hear your problems, help you with your problems, that's that's tacit. That's 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 like you're you're connected in a way that's not through social media, it's not virtual, it's a very tangible, real connection between people. That's why that show is special to me and it reeks of that. Um, it's, and it's very weird because you have to, like, you know, promote it on Instagram and Twitter. And, like, right, of
1: course. <laughs> I don't have any of those
0: things, but they do. You know, that's yeah. how they get it out to the world. It's like this funny dichotomy. But, you know, I think you're right. I think that, like, it's absolutely 100%. We live in a world where if people followed their heart a little more instead of what, what their in- intellect would tell them to do for others – we live in a very different world, you know, I don't know if it would be better or not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there's aspects of living for other people and having some sort of like, you know, shame is a good thing to have.
1: (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yes. I mean, it's, I don't want to
0: be, you know, I get that. Certainly
1: we should, you know, like a certain accountability in society is good. That's that's how we, that's how we form a community. That's how we, you know, people don't run around and do whatever the fuck they want. But, But just in, in terms of like, You know, being really terrified of, oh, if I don't do this or say this or if I do that, then I'm not, then people, oh, then they're not going to like this and I'm not going to get likes and that's not, I'm like, ah, come on. Yeah. You know, just
0: like, what do you want? What do you like? Because everybody becomes an imitation of something or somebody that they think has the holy grail. Right. Nobody's got the fucking holy grail, dude. <laughs> it's 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 not. It does not exist. I I can promise you that. I know one thing that doesn't exist. Yeah. And and it's like you, you become sort of a caricature of of the reflection of society that you're reflecting. It's like the weirdest thing ever. You're looking in a never-ending mirror that's yeah. just bouncing back and forth until you like you're into the abyss. And it's and it and it's it's really interesting to watch some people and how they engage with that. Like you walk around, you go to a hotel and you are seeing people like just on a couch, like looking <laughs> taking selfies, <laughs> self lips, with duck, duck lips, guys, <laughs> girls. Who doesn't matter? And and they and and you're constantly looking at yourself in a mirror all day. Yeah, that's not healthy. No, it's not a healthy way to live your life. It's not. It's not. An, you're not engaging with the, with the world. You're not engaging with people. You're you're engaging with yourself and you're you're engaging with what the, what you're trying to, to put out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not even like you're, you're creating a persona that you're curating for other people to see and other people to imagine what you are, even though that's not what you are. And it's bound to be archived in some weird server farm somewhere. (laughs) And that's what you're going to be, you know, that's what you're doing. That's what you're going to be known as when you're dead. That server farm is going to be you. Yeah. And it's just it's 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 strange to me.
1: Did your parents have a problem with their lips because they were doing this all? The time. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Like a future generations, <laughs> so did they? I what? think the <laughs> previous generation had a lip disorder. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're
0: just not going to know. <laughs> By the way, that would be that would be the best case scenario. That would mean we were somehow identified that as narcissistic and yes. going, oh, why are they doing that? Oh, I
1: do. I hundred percent. Like, I've I've really. I've been saying that I I think in, like, 50 or 100 years, people are going to look back at this time of, like, weird psychological addiction and, mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever types of signaling we're doing to the rest of the world with the same kind of horror as, uh, you know, when the, when they go, like, people used to have asbestos in their homes? Right. Kids worked in chimneys? What right. the fuck? You know? Right. they like...
0: People had this weird psychological addiction that forced right. them to act. Fa- oh my god! How terrible! Right. You know? Well, here's 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 my here's my overarching, like theory. Okay, and this could be totally crazy, but I think I think I think it is. I think that capitalism has become such a strong capitalism has won out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's such a strong thing. It's such a the, – the ability that I can make the life that I want my, for myself is such a strong pull that everybody has, has looked at companies of the past, the Rockefellers, the uh, Vanderbilts, all those people that built shit. Mm-hmm. And it reflected on them. It, they had PR and it reflect, and they became very, very wealthy and they ran stuff. It was for themselves. Now – what people are doing are commodifying themselves. So they're, ta- they're, they're taking their soul, their being, their beliefs, their uh, religious beliefs, their, their political beliefs, the, all of these beliefs that they have about themselves and how they look at the world. And they're putting out the best version of it on, on Instagram, on Twitter, on social media. Then what they do is is they commodify themselves so that they can sell product for other people. <laughs> That's all that, that they're it's robber doing. baroning themselves. They're robber baroning themselves. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true. And then every and it, by na- the way, every self
1: little natural resource.
0: And it's and, and I I think there's a lot of good to that actually because it does create a sense of uh, what you said before. Um, it creates a sense of accountability mm-hmm. so that. You know, companies will want to – they'll want to promote with you yeah. uh, and all these people. But on the flip side, it's like a, a lot of what that is, is is pandering to sort of the lowest common denominator of what being a human is, whether it's like showing a picture of your ass mm-hmm. or uh, for, you know, flexing your muscles or whatever. Um, and then there's some people who, who've really put a lot of thought into it and there's differing levels of it. But I think that honestly it's the commodification of the, of the individual – It's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, it's like, well, the railroads are built. Right and you know the microchip right. revolution happens and the nanotechnology <laughs> right. you know it's like we're, we're what's left? Well, we can um, I guess just exploit our own personal natural resources. <laughs> right, you know? yes. I can just dig out my. I guess I could just fucking dig out my soul. Right, what if I just what if I just mind that
0: for a while? Right, which yeah. I, I, again, I don't have anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I, like anything, there's good and there's bad. And if you if you engage with it in a healthy way, that's great. Sure. If you engage with it in an unhealthy way, where it literally takes up all of your life and all of your time, and you start looking onto that that fucking screen and just judging your life by 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 what you've archived, that's a problem. Right. You're constantly living in the past. You're never living in the moment. You're never engaging. You're not really looking towards the future other than what you have done in the past and how that affects it. It's so yeah, it's like and, an and interesting. And it's also, it's also you know uh, uh,
1: the, the the external world other people their opinions are so mercurial right and if, so if you're making decisions but, i mean it's one thing to sort of you know be in a community and be be an accountable member of that community and do good you know and make sure that other people are okay but you know but when it comes down to like oh, this picture of this side of my face only got this many likes, so right. this side of my face right. must be better right it's like well now you're now you're allowing an external thing that you can't control Put value in a in a warped, distorted way that that you're then re-internalizing. Right. You know, like that's that's where I think it's it's a little dangerous totally. for people. Especially for kids. I can't fucking imagine Dude. what it would be like to grow up with, with this just as normal. You're constantly being watched. Watched and judged and commented on
0: and you know it's so that's not healthy i can't imagine (laughs) that like you're immediately growing up with the fact that i mean it's it's again it's base human shit the, the more likes you get, it's the like. It's mm-hmm. called a like. And yeah. there's a heart that goes up next yeah. to it. That triggers aspects of your brain that go, that's good. People <laughs> like me. I'm loved. I'm doing good. <laughs> that, like, the more people like your photo, the more it gives you self-worth. Right. That's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up because they don't really care. Right. But what matters is that someone comes up to you and says, hey, I love what you're doing. Hey, good job, kid. Mm-hmm. You did great today on the or, field. Or- I don't I don't agree with this thing that you right. said, but let's have a conversation about right, it. Right, right. Let's exactly. Let's exchange ideas. There's no there's not really an exchange of ideas. No, because every time you get it's way easier to sit back and not have to worry about the conf- the actual confrontation. Right. It's way easier to do that. When you actually confront somebody, very, very rarely does it ever go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Very <laughs> rarely do people like it's actually rare for people to like come to blows. Right. You know, it's much more common for you to go, I don't I don't agree, we can argue about it, but at the end of the day, okay, 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 you know. Like I actually like you as a person. I actually I actually care. I actually care. I can see that you care. Right. And and like, you know, people come together that way. This does not bring people together that way. And it starts from a very young age where people are like now kids are like forming opinions at eight? <laughs> like that's insane. Your brain, your prefrontal cortex doesn't fully mature until you're twenty-four. Right. The executive function in your mind does not mature until you're twenty-four. So maybe
1: you don't need plastic surgery at nine. At nine. Yeah. It's possible. You that haven't you're formed yet. You physically and mentally have not formed as a human yet. No. no. There are reasons we restrict Right. It's like this is why you can't drive right. until you're this age. This is why right. maybe don't vote until you're this age. Right, You know what I mean? Don't drink until you're this age. Right, Because we know that there are certain things that maybe people won't necessarily. Now if you're underage and you're listening to this, right. maybe you're
0: the one who's more evolved than everyone else, but the odds are the, 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 the odds are the numbers. That, By the way, it's not even about the, the evolution of yourself. It's just about experience in life. You're going if you're 15, 14, 16, I can tell you that I remember, too. This is another, I think, ni- nice thing to say. P- d- 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 grownups treat you like you're morons when you're 16 yeah. and, and 15 and 14. You're actually not. You're not a moron. I remember being 16, 15, 14. I knew shit. I knew stuff. I was smart. I could figure it out. I, was, I wasn't a troublemaker. I wasn't like into drugs. I was on a path. But like, I got it. And when people talk down to me it was like, Don't fucking talk down to me like that. I yep. I, I, I get it. I get it. I know. And then you go off, but you will go off and do things that will make you reflect on some of those conversations and go, wow, they're really right. (laughs) They really were right. And I kind of knew that, but, like, now I really know that. And you have your experiences, and then the older you are, the less you realize that you know. It's just the way life happens, hopefully, because I think that it makes much more fun life. Well, it just – you have to
1: learn through experience. It's very difficult, and this is just sort of one of the – the limitations of humanity. Right. We're not evolved to necessarily just take advice at face value. Right. Like, hey, um, what you're doing is really unhealthy. Great, thanks. <laughs> <Right>. And then <laughs> right. exactly. crash, burn. Oh, my God, I guess that was right. really unhealthy. Yeah, I know. I tried to tell you. Uh, well, I guess I just, you know, it's like my body just needed to feel that. Exactly. Like, um, you can't. It's difficult just to tell someone some words and then they just feel it. Exactly. And so, you know, again, it's It's not necessarily age, but it is experience. And statistically, you know, when you're in the world longer, you are going to have more and varied and diverse experiences. Right. And that's totally. what's better. And and also the fact that you were not just traveling at a younger age, but also like really
0: living, experiencing. Failure. At, at, at failure, yeah. Big yeah. time. That was the, that's the most important thing in life is learn how to experience failure. Like when you – going into acting for me was easy because it was like 10 – you know, ten thousand people booing you, and and then you and then you know, like that's that's rejection. Yeah, that feels like failure. If if, if 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 you let in five goals and you get pulled and people are booing you, that's that's failure. You failed, right? You, know, you gotta get out there next the next game and play again and win. That's, that's how you learn how to be a human being that like has some form of resiliency and a backbone. Uh And nowadays, it's like. Well, we don't want anybody to fail. Like no one. Like what are you talking about? That's like <laughs> half of life is failure. That's what we do. That's how we learn. And and it's like again, that whole world is like, well, I don't want anybody, nobody's failing. Nobody. I don't want to see my failures. Now there's a move. There are people who like love to share the, the failure, and it helps them get through it. And, you know. Yeah, but I think that you know avoid avoid. I mean,
1: obviously, it sucks. Sucks to fail. It hurts. But avoiding failure at all costs is, in effect, a form of failure totally. because you know to to live is to grow, and to grow is to fail because that's how you learn and that's how you evolve. So transitively, you're not entirely living if you're not failing sometimes because then you're not growing. No, so it's not like it's okay. But again, it you know we because like what you said, we've become such. Like, hyper turbo capitalists, It's yeah. like, I must feel... I must summon good feeling all the time. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like... You know what? We were just say to people, like, be the fun parts of harm. Don't be the parts. Right, of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't be the parts of harm that slices your arm open when right. a cat jumps on a dude who's living with you. You know, like, right. just find find the aspects of harm that work for you, and not right. like harm as as in the
0: person. Totally. What a fortuitous name. I know. Harm D Harm. Uh. Now people are gonna look that guy up. I know they should. You can look him up. You'll see a photo of him. You'll probably can translate some of his like weird poetry, and it, might, it probably won't translate into Google Translate. Late. So as we're kind
1: of wrapping this up, um, what uh, what is it that you're? Obviously, people should watch Overlord if they, especially if they, you know, if you like if you like epic movies, you'll love it.
0: If you like war movies, you'll love it. If you like horror movies, you'll love it. it totally, it's it's a mashup. It's a really good war movie, in my opinion. It's it has great elements of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that like you have to you have to be careful about it because horror fans are very specific. It's it's horror, mm-hmm. but it uses elements of horror to right. get the story across. Right. And it's, it has a bigger tale to tell, which is uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Nobody should have the type of power, and nobody should be able to play God the way that, that in the movie that the Nazis are trying to play God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, so it, 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 has a lot of those elements, but it's not a, it's not just a straight horror film. It has a lot of war elements to it and a lot of action. Yeah. That's uh, really fun. The opening scene I think is fantastic. Um, it really puts you on the edge of your seat and like puts you in a way like you're in a video game going, experiencing it, uh, through the eyes of the main character. It's
1: shot so beautifully too, yeah. especially when, uh. When uh, the other character gets shoved out of the plane and just the camera work as he's tumbling through the air, <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're feeling and you stick like explosions all over. You feel you feel it. It's so well shot. Yeah. It's so well, shot. it's
0: viscerally very, very, very well done. So I'm really happy with it. And uh, I just think I, f- I think you get your money's worth. You know, I think you go to a movie now. It's like expensive to go to a movie. Yeah. Take your take your boyfriend or girlfriend it ends up being like $50 a night. Popcorn and drinks. And at stuff. least you know, spe- and if you got a park, yeah, got a park, and you got to, you know, it could be a fifty.
1: You could be dropping a hundy just yeah. to go out to see <laughs> just, a
0: movie, right? So you're like, <laughs> I want it to be good, yeah. And uh, and I think that we deliver on like the goods of at least why I go to the movie to to, to watch. Oh my movie.
1: God, yeah. I saw they sent me a link, so I watched it on our, you know, like we have a nice big TV, but right. it's not a
0: movie. Like seeing the, seeing Overlord on a fucking movie screen would be Incredible, it's cool. yeah. It's really really great. So happy with that. Um, did a movie called, uh, uh, the woman in the window, with Amy Adams and, and, uh, and, uh, Gary Oldman's in it. Joe Wright directed it. Julianne Moore's in it. Um, and then I, I'm lodge 49. I'm going to shoot in, end of January. We got a second season. I'm so happy about it. And that's the thing. I was like, I, that, that, that's really special to me. It's just a very special show The people who make it are very special. And, uh, and there's something about that show that I feel actually and I've said this before but I feel like for the for the fans of the walking dead for the fans of preacher for the fans of of some of those comic book shows lodge to me is the world in which that magical reality and that fantasy comes home to roost Mm -hmm. where you can, you have a place to go with your friends who there's a dungeons and dragons aspect to lodge where it's like this world that we make up in our head. And is it reality? Is it not? What, what is, what is real? What is not and how, what's the best way for me to be happy for these people who want more out of life? I want more, I want more fantasy. I want life to be more than it is and you come and you and lodge is that place where you can sort of connect with other people who feel the same way and that's the magic of of life did i just miss an
1: hour talking with you and not touch on the fact that you just dropped dungeons and dragons <laughs> do you are you, do you i don't play dungeons okay, and dragons okay all right so i didn't i didn't drop the ball no, on that no i don't play i don't play
0: i don't play dungeons and dragons and here's the reason why i've i've tried to be explained at dungeons and dragons my problem is I am hardwired, personally, to win something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you, I'm, I'm laughing because you can't win. Right. No, you can't. No. There's no winning. It's the story of the game. I love that. I'm into that. But my problem is in real life, Wyatt, me, the guy who played hockey, and w- w- winning and losing was you know how I did everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. That if I have to go to somebody's house and the dungeon master, like just tells me like sorry dude got an arrow through the neck. <laughs> I'm like wait what? Why did you just come up with that right now? Like because you didn't like me? Like screw you. You know the dice
1: uh, do what they do. I'll <laughs> tell you what,
0: it if if you ever play
1: then I would just I would just advise the DM at the end of it, they go, and the campaign's over. Then you can go, did I win? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, you
0: won. <laughs> right, you, yeah. you won. Right. Good, good for you. You won. Right. Yeah. I think I could get into it. Like anything, it's a good host, a good DM yep. is probably the key yep. to a, a good game.
1: It is, because it's basically like a good director.
0: Right. Like they're the storyteller. Right. So uh, as we're finishing this,
1: what's one thing that makes you joyful? What's one thing, you know, as we are... I just feel like it's a responsibility to try to look in a toxic world for where the good things are, where the joy is, you know? Like, what, what makes you happy?
0: What makes you joyful? The relationships that matter to me most. I'm sure my family, my parents, my brother, my sister, uh, my other brother, Boston, um, my 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 extended family, uh, uh, my girlfriend, my dogs. That That, to me, is... What are, are the most important things in life? There's nothing more important than that. If that's okay, and if those things are good, everything else is fine. I don't care. The world could be burning around me. And if we have each other and you have the people that you care about, that makes me happy. I'm good. I'm alive. I'm working. It's, you know, might not be going well. You could lose every, I could lose everything I have. And as long as that was good and we had each other, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm fine. That's fantastic, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And
1: and I'm excited. You're someone whose career I'm very excited to watch because it seems very obvious the the things that – like the direction that you're going in. Thanks, man. And that it's all getting bigger and and better and and hopefully – Hopefully that is enjoyable to you and uh, doesn't ever become overwhelming. That you're still able to find the joy in it because there just it sounds like you have a lot of different creative outlets. So you know, I hope you go off and write the harm story, <laughs> and uh, please come back whenever. I will. Thanks, man. It's Good to great. see you. Wyatt. Good to see you too. Thanks so much. Enjoy your
0: burrito, everyone. The end. Um. That's awesome, man. Thanks. That was, that was great. fun. Yeah, that was awesome. I had a great time. I really appreciate it. That.
1: That is such a phenomenal, Jesus Christ! He was such a crazy, what a guy. gift!
0: It was, it was a total fucking gift. Like it, he was a gift, and that's like the, the part of the guy you got to look at everything. Obviously, like everything is both. I could have easily looked that and been like, "Oh my God, get me out of here right
1: now!" <laughs> this is the
0: worst thing ever. This is the worst oh, thing. This ever. is the best thing ever. Would you mind signing the guest book? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So. All right, um, harm, and I loved being on the I <laughs>
1: did <laughs> skinning complete. Enjoy your burrito.